Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And today we are turning our attention to a topic, and we just can't seem to get enough of it. No. No, not at all. Data. Data in retail. We're turning our attention to it again. And to do that, we've got our spotlight on two experts, one that understands leveraging data as a retailer and one that understands it from the perspective of a CPG. So today we are pleased to welcome Irene Sabaha, the industry principal for retail at Treasure Data and her counterpart, Danica Konetsky, the industry principal for CPG, also at Treasure Data. Irene and Danica, welcome to Omnitalk. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Good yeah, to be here. It's great. We've, I mean, we've been talking about doing this for a while. It's exciting to have you on the show. I think, when do we first meet you? We, was it, was well, it, I was fangirling over you guys at grocery shop and right. uh, grocery shop, right? Yeah. yeah grocery shop. Oh I've been following you guys for a while and um, fangirling is always okay. Yes. Always <laughs> approved. I was very glad. I have to say to find out that Chris was talking to you, Irene, because I could not find him when he, like, oh, he was right. so enthralled in the conversation that I was like, I have no idea where Chris went. So I just started wandering the, the expo hall looking for you. And thankfully yeah. I found she you. She thought I had I another got, stroke. She I sent out a search party because she was <laughs> about what had happened to me. True story. Yeah. I was quite concerned, but thankfully oh, he was talking to you. We got to meet and we, um, here we are today. Um, I'd love for you to both kind of give us a little bit about your backgrounds and roles. Um, especially what an industry principal is. So Irene, would yes. you mind sharing that with us and, and a little bit about your background? Sure. So I'll go first and share just a little bit about myself and Treasure Data, and then Danica will tell you specifically about what the IPs do. Um, I have over 25 years of experience in retail and or consulting to retailers. I'm kind of a retail junkie. I like customer experience junkie. I've right. always been obsessed with um, why people buy what they buy and how they buy it. And so this is like, retail is just fun for me. And, um, treasure data is the first like pure play tech company that I've worked for in my career. Mm. And it's been really fun to learn about, um, how a software program can help, uh, there's so much data in retail. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much data in the world that we live in just in general, but in retail, it's just everywhere all the time. And um, so it's it's nice to have a tool, a CDP is sense for customer data platform. And um, it's nice to have a tool that can help really pull all that data together, integrate it, kind of take some of the noise out of it and really help the retailers use it not just to drive sales, but to really um, know who their customers are right. and and be able to be there authentically, show up for them authentically. Um, so And improve their uh, experience too, mm-hmm. which is what you're junkie about, right? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, Danica? Yeah, so I am Danica Konetsky and I'm the consumer goods industry principal here at Treasure Data. I will have been here at Treasure Data for two years and about two weeks. Oh, wow. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. I come here directly from IBM where I had a very similar role Mm. as a consumer goods subject matter expert working globally. And I do come out of industry. I was two tours of duty at Kraft Foods. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I was at ConAgra Foods and also spent some time at Kantar Retail and WPP companies. So while my industry expertise is primarily consumer goods, my domain 
has always been data insights and analytics. So for me, it's been really fun to go from client side to IBM consulting, where I thought, hey, I'll learn a new way to gather data and use it and take that learning back to all my CPG friends. And then like Irene was saying, really, I mean, if you're into customer data and using customers, you're no star, then it's almost malpractice not to spend time working on customer data clouds. Yeah, now, what does an industry principal do? Yes, so, yeah, tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Million dollar question. It's a yeah. cool title, industry principal. Mm -hmm. Is it know? though? So, industry principals um, work with our internal stakeholders and also with our clients and our prospects. So, we advise on the industry and we talk about industry trends and consumer attitudes, behaviors, and how they're changing. And we also do a lot of work just to co-create the use case roadmaps. So once you have a CDP, how are you going to use it? And we do a lot of work understanding business objectives, pain points, and then developing that use case capability roadmap to make sure that we're leveraging it fully um, to solve our clients' issues. Makes sense. So you two are really steeped in retail. I mean, I was joking beforehand. I say like, this is one conversation I'm really excited about because you two are bona fide retail lifers in a lot of ways and when you walk through your backgrounds and you look at them on linkedin as 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 i have and yes um, that but, doesn't sound creepy no it doesn't at all no just marginally so <laughs> yeah. um but anyway so let all right so let's get right to the point here so the cdp you 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 both have mentioned it you both have said the the that acronym you said what it stands for what if i'm a retailer or a cpg company why should i make the investment in a cdp irene let's go back to you yeah so in for like I said earlier at the beginning, just there's the amount of data that is available um, just continues to multiply and multiply and multiply. And so there, and it's coming from like all different sources, right? You have right. POS data and you've got online data and you've got call center data and um, credit card data and just things are coming all sorts of ways from Sunday. And um there are a lot of pain points around how you integrate that data together. And, um, and, and as tech stacks get more and more complicated, that integration becomes more and more complicated and data is disjointed. It's living in silos and different parts of, of the organization, whether it's a CPG organization or a retail organization. And so having a single source of truth for, um, for the customer data is is critical to making good decisions about um, as, as a retailer what product you carry, where you carry it, how much are you going to carry, um, and and how are you going to talk to your customers? And um, so having a grasp on that is so important that a CDP is is a pretty handy, I would say, almost mission critical tool. Yeah, almost essential at this point. I'm curious, Danica, too, like. Is the value for the CPG the same as the retail or are there nuanced differences as you look across the aisles here? Well, the value is the same, I think. So why would you invest in a customer data platform or customer data cloud? Well, it pays for itself pretty quickly. So that doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. But all of the consumer goods companies that I work with are pretty good at um, putting consumer at the center of everything they do. And so the more you know about your consumers, uh, the better you can meet their needs. 
And so we are able to, as Irene was saying, a lot of you know, consumer goods companies, and they do have their unique challenges because a lot of them have grown up uh, through acquisition and they've been doing, you know, a lot of them are over hundred years old and been doing a lot of, you know, things the same way. Right. So it's kind of hard to change behavior, even when you want to, right? Like you fall back into ways you've done it before and they haven't had as quite as much access to first party data, but it's becoming more and more important because consumers expect you to know them as individuals, not so much as parts of bigger cohorts. And so if you really want to meet consumer expectations, the more you know about them as an individual, their attitudes and behaviors, um, and the more you learn through what, how they interact with you and what they respond to and what they don't, um, the better you can meet their expectations and drive engagement and loyalty, you know, for win-win-win situations. Well, and Dan, I, I just want to ask a quick question there too. I mean, I think it's not just knowing the consumer, but it, it seems that a CDP is also necessary now in order to respond at the speed at which consumers right. and, or sorry, CPGs and retailers need to now, um, you know, we, we had a podcast a few weeks ago talking about how, you know, the ad spend is, is trailing a customer for 24, 48 hours before they're actually responding and right. realizing like, I already bought that thing. So you don't need to keep targeting uh, me with the same information, but I'm curious, like how that kind of comes into play and how that's helped some of these these CPGs and retailers kind of be more successful in their personalization for customers? Yeah, certainly I know our consumers do want to interact with you at the speed of life. I heard mm -hmm. somebody put it that way before. And I also heard the term Neanderthal marketing, um, which Neanderthal. we don't want to do, right? And right, that's what right. we were talking about before. I learned a little bit about you and now I'm going to chase you around the internet. And, yeah. and I'm not going to do it in a way that's smart, or builds trust with you, right? I'm, um, I am being kind of clumsy. If you already bought that dress, and I am still advertising it to you, and I'm doing it out of context, like Yahoo Finance or something, right. you know. And so it just doesn't, um, uh, this doesn't work, right? right. And the, but the beauty of having this data at your fingertips is it is more accessible. I mean, I worked at Craft and Con Conagra when it took us three years to get an ad, you know. Wow out onto the marketplace because we went through so much testing. Well, now you can test and learn in real time right. and see the results of that and really respond to how people want to interact with you. And that strives to or works toward building relationships. And, you know, the other side of that coin is that when you don't do that well in today's environment, you know, cancel culture is a thing. You know, mm -hmm. and they will walk away from you and yeah, their right. social microphone allows them to take a lot of people with them. Mm -hmm. And there's a good number of folks who are clear about the idea that calling you out on social media is the way to, to keep you accountable. Yeah, I was just I was just reading about that the other day. I sent you a text about the, the de-influencer movement, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's a mm -hmm. that's a that's a real phenomenon here as well. Well, um, just from a um, purely practical standpoint. Yeah. As, as the company, like one of the primary use cases companies come to us with is after, you know, please help me deduplicate and integrate my data. So I have a 360 view of my customer. They want to increase their return on ad spend. Right. And to your point, if I'm sending you ads 
two days after you bought whatever yeah. it is that you're going to buy, I'm wasting money. Mm-hmm. And I could repurpose that, that money towards doing one of the things Danica is talking about, like acting like I know who you are, or maybe <laughs> suggesting you bought this, maybe you might like this other thing that goes with what you bought, as opposed to yeah, just trying to sell you the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How are you adding value to my life? Right. And so I think the, I mean, I know we're going to get a data privacy, but I think data privacy now has evolved to talking about trust and building trust and trust equity. And I think that just in the short time, I've been spending a lot of time on this um, here at Treasury Data. I've seen it go from um, thinking about PII and how companies use my data from like creepy, like it feels very big brotherish and someone's watching me and you know, I don't even know how they got that information about me to, I'd be happy to share my personal information with you to the extent that I'm getting value back from that. But, you know, if you're still overwhelming them with messages and, um, you know, interactions that don't really make sense, and they're going to turn off location services, they're going to block ads, (laughs) you know, but, but more just to get rid of that noise. right? Right. But, more and more, I feel like that um, folks are just like, okay, I know you have my data. <laughs> I know you do. So I, of course, I expect you to use it um, in a way that's respectful, but I also expect you to anticipate my needs. <laughs> and I also expect you to create value for me. Right. Well, since you brought it up, let's, let's, let's hit the topic now. Let's talk about the, the, the privacy issues that we're seeing. I mean, the market's been talking almost exhaustingly so about the demise of the third party cookie. It feels like we're in like year five of it already, even though I think it's been like two years since it first started coming about. But, you know, when you get right down to it, like what are the strategies you both would espouse that companies should take when they're pursuing first party data, particularly, and how will they leverage that? You know, considering that the third party cookie is fading into the sunset, of course, but like there's gotta be more to it now than just what do we do with the cookie? Right. So Let's go back to you, Danica. Like, how do you think about what I just asked you? Like, how do you, it was, there was a lot packed in there, but you know, what, what strategies would you have around using first party data? Yeah. Like, how would you, how would you go about collecting it? Let's start there. Like what's the best way for. Yeah. There's so many ways to collect it. So ideally we're collecting it from all points of interaction that we have with our customers. And there's so many creative ways that um, that CPGs are using to acquire first-party data. Um, and so it could be from quizzes. It could be from just giving them a reason to interact mm-hmm. with you. One of my favorite is uh, Shiseido and their loyalty program. And you can go on their website. They already have a bit of information about you, but you can tell them, your age, you know, if you're feeling stressed, right. you know, what the environment is like, has something changed in your life? And they, then you can take a picture of your face and they will diagnose your skin and they will give you recommendations. And of course they'll drop those products, you know, into the basket. And then a thousand dollars later, you have the promise of looking younger, longer. So I will give them any information Uh, about me because the promise I get back or the value I get back is worth it to me to do that. And then in terms of using the data, um, 
we use it for segmentation and for creating audiences. So you might, you know, understand a bit about your most strategically valuable consumers, and then you can use that to go find others that that you know, look like them and have the highest likelihood for converting and then becoming one of your um, newer strategically valuable consumers. Um, we use it for suppression, so we don't want to send. Um, ads repeatedly or to people who aren't likely to change their behaviors in the way that we would like to. So there's there's a lot of ways that that we um, we use that data. And as we continue to apply more predictive analytics and machine learning to it, then we can just get very a lot smarter about the content they want to be served, the time of day, the channel, you know, the whole idea of right message, right product, right place, right time. Right. Irene, how do you think about that same question? Yeah, I don't have like a ton more to add to what, what Danica just talked about. I will say that um, it's a little easier for the retailer to capture that first party data. Especially, oh, it is. Okay. Um, well, look, every time you yeah, buy something sense. online, mm-hmm. you put in your name, your address, your email. Mm-hmm. And with that, it, the, the retailer can go off to the races in a mile, a um, mm-hmm. bunch of different ways. Um, that, that said, um, how that information gets used and where it gets used is um, is important because if you misuse my information, then then I can tell you you can't use my information anymore. You might have it, but right. you can't use it. And mm-hmm. um, and so that's where having systems in place that that really respect all of the privacy laws is so important. Um, it's more important now than ever. I mean, you saw what happened with Meta in Europe and the mm-hmm. huge fine that they had to pay for violating privacy. So um, this first party data is like really critical and yeah. also really important to handle properly. The management of it, right. Well, and, yeah. I, and I have to ask both of you, I mean, especially when you're doing things like what you're talking about, Danica, where you're taking scans of my face and, you know, I'm, I, as a customer, I'm willing to give you that information, but you you're talking about like, this is not just like past purchase history anymore. Now you're talking about like age, like personal information, like, am I stressed? My face, you know, like all I have a zit. Yeah. Like (laughs) really truly like, so is treasure data able to like, how are you helping retailers take this, these new types of information, this new type of first party data? Cause that's, that's stuff that I I mean, I think most analysts are, that's an entirely new like set of information to have to navigate and then give back to, to personalize that experience. When I was working at Craft and Connect, it was always our intention to grab as much information as we could around attitudes and behaviors sure. on top of demographics and, you know, now we in psychographics. And so that was always our intention. It's just that now we, we have more ability, you know, yeah. to capture that types of data and more ability to do it on an individual level. And so it's, you know, we have seen this sort of early excitement about all the things you can learn about someone and bring it in, uh, bring that data in. And we've yeah. kind of advanced, watch with our clients advance that thinking to, well, maybe we need to be a little bit more strategic or choosy about the data that we're bringing in. Because sometimes it doesn't matter what their favorite color is when they're in a certain mood on a Sunday. Right. You know, Maybe that isn't going to help us as much. And so as we see 
sort of data strategies progress, we're seeing a lot of thought into um, really progressing the type of data and attributes that are meaningful for me uh, to collect from you, and also really devising programs where I am making sure I am capturing data with every single interaction I have. Mm. So, you know, it's just people are giving more thought sure. to that type of data strategy and the types of attributes that they collect from folks. But I'll add to it besides the skin diagnosis, which I find, you know, uh, so interesting and helpful, you know, for me. Yeah. Uh, at CES, um, I saw some folks really commenting and talking about how they were going to start using IoT more in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And having come from Kraft Foods, I totally understand the importance of being able to help someone manage the food in their household mm -hmm. and, you know, devise recipes that their um, themselves and their families will enjoy. And, you know, it's dietary restrictions. So just having devices in your kitchen, in your pantry, in your refrigerator that help you manage your inventory, that help you remind you when you're out of something. That, that order can, for you automatically. Yeah, yeah right. that can absolutely <laughs> order, order yeah. it for you automatically um, and give you recipe ideas. So, you know, there's just so many ways that data is is created and right. how you can thoughtfully collect that um, for the good of everyone right? To build relationships, to be helpful, to add value to someone's life. Um, and to Irene's point before, if you, if you, you know, go off a little bit from using it to create value, um, you won't be able to use it anymore. You know, right. They have the ability to um, block that out. And Irene, I'm curious too, like add some color here. Like, so how does the C, how does the CDP idea help do what Danica just said then. How does how does it work its magic? Is yeah. that the yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so it essentially ingests all of the data from all of the different sources and pulls it together into a single place. And um and then the technology part of it, which is not my forte, but the technology, <laughs> the technology sucks out duplicate data. And so for an individual, it winds up creating what we call a golden record. And some, in, in some instances, it's, it's now upgrading to the platinum record. Oh, wow. Because, you know, because you, you've got even more and more information on it. But right. essentially what it is, is it's, this is Chris. Right. Chris was, Chris has these five email addresses, but we're going to go from having five different Chris's to knowing that this is oh. all the same Chris. And so, so at, at its core, that's, that's what the CDP does best. That's the right. foundation of, of everything we do is, is creating that, that single golden record that can then get richer and richer with information as time goes on. And, um, and it's so interesting to me also that, that we talk a lot about personalization and one-to-one, mm -hmm. -one, but we can only do that because we're getting, we're collecting all of these attributes, right? Mm -hmm. We know, um, we know we can create cohorts of, of, of people. I mean, we're, there's, there's still one to many marketing going on. Right. You can still and, do that too. That's a great point. Yeah. And, I'm going to ask that question that, that, that was a very 
good summary of how it works or how to conceptualize what's going on here. I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I I, want to dig into that too a little bit because, you know, now the lines of CPG and retailer are blurring. So you have CPGs that are selling direct to customers. They're working with retailers. Now we have new sets of data going out that are being collected by CPGs that maybe haven't been collected in that way before. They've been trying to get that information from retailers. Irene, how are how are you seeing them ingest that data and then take that data and and make it actionable? So I for me, this is one of the most fascinating things that's yeah. going on right now yeah. is this um I'm a I'm a CPG company, but I'm also D to C. And I'm D to C because A, because I can be, and B yeah. because um because I I now have the technology to help me gather all this information. And oh, by the way, I've never had unique user information. I never had first party data before. I had to buy clusters of information from Nielsen or IRI to, to get a sense of what was selling where and how. And now I've got this information um, as, as a CPG company, as a retailer, I'm like, okay, you're taking sales away from me, right? Um, and at, at the heart, the CPG company, like PNG doesn't care who sells Tide. Right. They just want to sell more Tide, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if they can figure out a strategy to optimize the volume of Tide by knowing which SKUs they should sell direct to customer by, mm-hmm. or, you know, set up the laundry truck and, mm-hmm. you know, have people order from there. Like, like they're, there's a new way to optimize product if I'm a CPG company. And, and it's also market research on, on who is, who's attracted to what it's like, like innovation, a new, a new outlet for innovation for the CPG companies. And I will also say retailers are doing a lot more private brand mm-hmm. products yeah. in, in, in merchandising because they make, make the margins better for them. So if I'm a CPG company, yeah. I want mm-hmm. to keep my sales growing. And in, there are so many layers to this question. <laughs> there are, I, yeah, actually, you just unlocked something big in my head too. But yeah, no, it's kind of, it's, yeah, because the other part of this too, that which we don't have time to get into for the, and it's kind of off topic is, you know, the, the supply chain aspect of this too. And how do you do it profitably yeah. too, which, but that comes back to understanding your customer and understanding what they want and understanding what needs to be served up to them in the right medium, whether direct or through that retailer to do it optimally so that everyone can profit at the end of the day. That's, that's the key thing here. And it just makes me think what's old is what's old is always new again. But, um, but Danica, how do you think about that? Yeah. So I think of it as it's all about the consumer and consumer expectations and how consumers want to interact with you Mm -hmm. and more and more consumers expect to interact with you very directly and co-create the experiences with you think Spotify, you know, think a lot of different things. And so that's what they want. And, you know, years and years now, you know, and when I was working on the client side, it was always a matter of task and tool, right? Like what's the task ahead of me and what's the best tool to, to get there. And so our, to me, selling direct to consumers, just a channel, right? It's part of being omni-channel and all of these different touch points have different, um, value for me. So if I am going D to C, that allows me to um, share, tell my own story more directly mm-hmm, right. and to um, drive those relationships, you know, CRM that we want. 
But, you know, if I'm going through a specialty retailer or, or a boutique, then that allows me to um, maybe more hands-on create an experience, right? A specialized experience. If I'm in travel, you know, if I'm going to be in a travel retail spot, then that helps me um, with my presence and getting new users. If I'm on, you know, a typical like grocery or mass, um, that's reach, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, they all have different uh, value to me as I serve my customers and I'm trying to offer them convenience, uh, price value or experiences. I need to use all these different channels to do that. But in the end, I'm still manufacturing, marketing and selling my brand or brands, right. um, but doing it in a way that makes sense for our consumers. Yeah, right. Which, and too, is a different question fundamentally than where does it get fulfilled from, which we can yeah. talk about at another show. Too. Yeah. But that's that's kind of where my head's going with this. But okay, so let's say like, let's say people are listening to this, the audience is listening to this, and they're like, okay, we're bought in on the, this concept of a CDP, the way you described it, Irene. Where should a retailer and or a CPG start to make hay with this idea? So Irene, let's go back to you on that. Um, well, I think I've, I have talked about kind of the foundational um, data ingestion piece as, and that is, that is where you start, right? Mm -hmm. You really can't start executing on any of the customer facing use cases. Well, you can, but you're not going to, there's the whole point of having a CDP is to, to, to do that as efficiently and effectively as possible. And so at the root, it's, I want to get my customer data centralized, cleaned up, integrated and then you can and then and then it's all systems go right yeah i'll add i'll add on to that a bit so we do at its foundation create a unified data foundation so you bring all of the sources of data together dedupe it clean it up and we create these master segments or master audiences then where you can then do your targeting you know create specific audiences for the task at hand. Uh, the, the thing that we kind of glossed over a bit was the importance of bringing all that data together, not just for insights and analytics um, and then activation, but there is privacy, right, and compliance. So we, you know, we have multinational, multi-brand companies that their consumer data was far flung across the globe, 500 brands, 40 countries, numerous right. agencies, all holding that data. So it's inaccessible to us to use, right? It's hard just to bring all of it together, but it also is um, puts a company at more risk, financial and reputational risk by having that data far flung everywhere. So job one is to bring all of that together dedupe it, harmonize it, get it ready. Then we start creating those segmentation audiences to find um, lookalike audiences for new users, or if there are current users, serving them in a way for different types of marketing objectives I have, whether upsell, cross-sell, right. you know, discounting, moving product, whatever it might be, and creating lifetime value. And then you can start then um, adding predictive analytics and machine learning so that you are just um, uh, being able to get better, faster, and more cheaply, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. with less cost to drive that lifetime uh, value and then ultimately orchestrate journeys, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, for each segment or cohort or group or whatever, 
really understanding where they are in that journey with you and what will work for them to move them appropriately through the different phases of the, of their life cycle with you. Right. And I, I, you know, our audience always loves to hear a success story, like give us an example. Um, Irene, do you have like a favorite use case that outlines what Danica just explained? Um, yeah, so I have like one of my very favorite retail use cases and it's actually not, um, it's not even like one of the most recent ones. This is a company, um, that was really at the forefront of, of leveraging, taking geofence data that they pulled around Mm. the customer, pulling it in. Um, and by doing that, they drove, they drove more customers to the store. They saw a 25% increase in, in conversion of people who are in the store actually buying. And um, in that, that same client used a mobile app that they developed mm-hmm. to drive engagement. And in the process, um, used that to gather more first party information. Um, so they not only gamified the, the customer's in-store experience, made it fun, um, they, they were able to do that to gather some um, additional information about their clients or their yeah. customers or shoppers. Um, we had a clothing retailer that used this segmentation to, you know, I think I talked about earlier, Dan, what, one of the things that Danica is really, really good at is she's really good at focusing on the customer value. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe it's, it's I, I don't know, I always think about like, yes, the customer value is important, but if the company is not making money, the customer value is, is at the end of the day is, is going to go away. And so I go to this return on ad spend thing. And like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite use cases is one where a client, because of the improved segmentation, knew who to send um, emails to and who not to send emails to and was able to increase the revenue um, per email from something around 20 cents to almost $2 an email. Um, and, and, and more efficiently you know, too, right? Like right, setting right, less emails right. too, right? So you're getting the spend and the cost reduction. Exactly. And a better experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and that is a use case. Um, it's, it, it's not a very glamorous or sexy use case. Like, oh, wow. Like we're sending fewer emails, but it, it's practical. It's hands-on your mailbox, your email box is not full of crap that you don't want. Right. And, um, and that you're going to delete anyway, and I'm spending less money as a retailer. So there is value yes. as the cusp to the customer, um, and, and value to me as, as a retailer as well. So Which is so important, especially this year. I mean, we were at NRF. That was one of the key themes. Like, how am I going to get the return on investment on the technology that I'm investing in. Um, Show me the money. Yes, exactly. But I want to ask, is it okay if I ask one more thing that I heard at NRF, speaking of that, that I want to have you please explain to me? And that is this concept of a clean room. Um, I want to know, Danica, can you tell me what a clean room is? I I can, and Irene might jump into, but I also want to say that... (laughs) you know, uh, as, as it relates to putting consumer at the center, it's not all altruistic, right? It's, it's, it is within the context of the business objectives that we have. Well, and the consumer votes with yes. their pocketbooks, right? right. Yeah. At the end yeah, of the day. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, an example there in terms of how that 
affects, you know, my uh, ability and, and to return more on my ad spend is we can talk publicly about this. There's, you can Google trade desk and AB Bev. There's a case study on it, but it was one of the, um, one of our clients where we brought all of their far-flung data together. And when COVID, you know, was fresh and new, yeah. uh, there was an acceleration, as you know, being able to buy and, and have alcohol delivered to and everything else, but delivered, you know, directly to you. And because of this partnership with Trade Desk and having the data all in one place, able to very quickly um, test and learn different ways, different um, approaches, different channels, different messages uh, to drive that online ordering delivery of their products. And they were able to decrease uh, cost of acquisition through the start to the end of the campaign by 80% hmm. and increase likelihood to purchase by 35%. So that's what you can do with the power of data um, and having that ability to test and learn in real time versus, you know, testing and learning over three years of a process of getting <laughs> ads out the door. But yeah. so this whole thing about clean rooms, um, it, it kind of relates a little bit to the third party cookie and this idea of, you know, retailers have a certain set of data on consumers and, and, but what retailers have are purchased in their store right. Mm -hmm. And not the larger context generally. I mean, more and more, I'm sure they're gathering that. Um, so if been in CPG would have a different context of that data. And so to be able to bring that in, in a clean room, right. Or an agreement of how to properly use that data for what purposes allows, um, full visibility into that, uh, consumer or, or a group of consumers. Um, so they collectively, the partnership can happen to deliver the right product to the right person at the right time with the right message so that everybody wins. So, so I, I'm curious, I mean, how do you, I mean, who manages that then? Like, so basically it's like, basically like this kumbaya, uh, the way I'm thinking about this is like this kumbaya between the CPG and the retailer holding hands are going to put all this data in this clean room. Like how does that actually operationalize? Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say kumbaya. kumbaya. <laughs> yeah, right. I would say we are talking about CPG and retail relationships. Yeah. yeah right. um, I mean, the way the way I like to think about a clean room is the reason it's clean is because I'm in there, like all of me, what I like, what I don't like, how old I am, where I live, mm -hmm. et cetera, is in there, mm -hmm. but I am completely decoupled from that. Mm -hmm. Right. So so you get to know a lot about me. And for example, we're in a partnership right now, pretty exciting um, partnership with Amazon ads. And um, um, we, we have this clean room, right? And, and we're bringing customer data over and it's completely um, um, hashed. They, they take it, they unhash it. So they still don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. And they, but they match it to whatever people were doing those, like, so say it's Mars pet food. It's not, mm -hmm. but say it's mm -hmm. Mars pet food. I am like, oh, people who buy Mars pet food are also coin collectors who knew, mm -hmm. right? So now Mars can, can take this data. They, they suck in that attribution data back into the clean room. They aggregate it to this whole population mm -hmm. And then they know I've got these additional attributes about who's buying my product. Hmm. It helps me market target more effectively. So again, hmm. like 
I'm getting a little, Amazon's getting more ad spend and I'm getting more information about where they're going, where my, where in aggregate, where my people are going so that I can spend my advertising dollars more effectively. So that's, so that the reason I think it's a clean room is because we're all anonymous in there. It's clean. We're clean. The data is clean. Nobody knows exactly who I am. And and to the trust and privacy issues that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. it absolutely has to stay that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. but it is, it is funny how um, it, it has quickly become the buzzword, the buzzword sure, or um, is, is data clean room. And I have to spend more time on that too now. Jeez. Oh my God. (laughs) It was a great so question, but, but it still has the word data in it, Chris. So you're good. Right, right. Yeah, I know. As long as we're focused on data. Yeah. Data, data, data. Data, data. All day, all day, all day. All day, every day. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both so much for your time. That was so fun and so insightful. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about Treasure Data, what is the best way for them to do that? Irene, maybe I'll start with you here. So you can always go to uh, treasuredata.com. Okay. Easy. Tons of uh, use cases, case studies, client testimonials, whole nine yards. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me directly, I'm on LinkedIn, um, or you can email me at irene.sabaha, S I B A J A, at treasure-data.com. All right. And how about you, Danica? How do we get in so, touch? So, same. Um, first and last name. So, danica.konetsky at treasure-data.com, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Nice. Well, that wraps us up, man. That's that's a this was a meaty conversation. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was yeah, fun. No, yeah. thanks for doing it. Like we said at the outside, we've been trying to do it for a while, and it's glad to finally sit down with you both and, and talk data. Um, so again, thanks to Irene Sabaha, the industry principal for retail at Treasure Data, and her CBG counterpart at Treasure Data, Danica Konetsky. Thanks for sitting down with us. Thanks to all of you who listened in. And as always, on behalf of all of us here at Omnitalk, be careful out there.